Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal season. Eight. Hi everybody and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 8. Firstly, a massive thank you to everyone who's reached out for this entire season so far. I can't believe we're already at Episode 8 and only have two episodes left before we take our standard break in between seasons. Before we get to today's true paranormal experience, I'd just like to answer a few questions that have come in via email. Firstly, we are always accepting submissions for the Dark Paranormal. We do already have over 20 submissions for the upcoming Season 9, and it looks like it's going to be our best season ever. That said, if you have a true paranormal experience that you believe would be perfect for the show, email the Dark Paranormal at hotmail.com Secondly, I'd just like to address the advertisements that we now run within the show. As I'm sure you can imagine, the Dark Paranormal takes an awful lot of time to produce, and the revenue from those advertisements frees up that time for me to make the show. And it also allows the Dark Paranormal to arrive freely on all of the podcasting apps out there, One thing I will never do is put the Dark Paranormal series behind a paywall, and it will always be free for you, our wonderful listeners. However, as a podcast listener myself, I fully understand how ads can disrupt a show. Therefore, I'll aim to keep those mid-show ads within two minutes altogether. Or, in another way, four clicks of the 30 seconds ahead button. The show has had advertisements for quite a while now, but the main difference now is it's my voice reading the advert. And believe me, that's something we're both getting used to. But my main message here is to reassure people the show will always be free to consume. And our sponsors simply allow that to take place. Finally, a lot of people have been in touch asking what's going to happen with the show over Halloween. As I've previously mentioned, this year Halloween falls in our between-season break. And I've been teasing something rather special, and if you'll recall last week's episode, I said this week we would have a trailer for our Halloween special. And we do. Stay tuned for the end of the show, when we reveal the trailer for what will possibly be the most terrifying case we've ever covered. Today's true paranormal experience shows us just how blind we can be when we're trying to follow our heart, and also that it seems when we're at our most vulnerable in life, that's when the things from the shadows seem to make their move. But before we get to today's terrifying true paranormal experience, we of course need to thank our wonderful supporters over on Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, 
not only will you receive these shows ad-free and before anyone else, you will also receive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites releases each and every Sunday without fail, even on the downtime in between seasons, meaning that you never miss your paranormal fix. And there are currently over 30 hours of Dark Bites episodes for you to binge. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon, and we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like these wonderful new team members have. Kirsty Ryan Sinclair, Daniel Smith, Amanda Hammond, Katrina Slavin, Kingslayer, Matt Horton, Hat, Salma Lopez, Tanner Hayes, Gideon Davis, Big Jim, Mary Ann, Amelia Rudds, Lillian Miller, Amelia, James Milne, Lois, Tracy Owen, Stephanie Gerard, Amanda Redmond, Raw Custom Knives, Fanny Garcia, Ragnar Gilfordotia, Kit, Eric, Kyle Nelson, Alison Smith, Paddy Barco, Darian, Sabina, and Four Jules Four. Thank you so much, guys. Your support literally means the world. And I hope you enjoy all of those early releases, the ad-free content, and of course, those Dark Bites episodes. If you'd like to join the team, simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. But now, doorways are strange things. And throughout history, they've always been associated with moving from one stage of your life to the next. But when you're in unfamiliar surroundings, or even out of your depth, you have no idea where these doors may lead. And maybe they're best left alone. So please, lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and most importantly, leave your disbelief at the door, as we hear all about the Demon's Doorway. My name is May. I'm now in my mid-forties, but my experience takes place just over a decade ago, between 2011 and 2012. I've never been totally secure in my own skin, without trying to come across as dramatic, but I haven't. I've had and still am going through therapy for just how bad my childhood was. Don't get me wrong, there was food on the table and clothes when I needed them. But the emotional side just wasn't there. My mum and dad divorced when I was four, with my father moving out with the woman he was having an affair with. And I therefore lived with my mother until I was old enough to move out. Following the divorce, she was a bitter and angry woman. I now think my father's affair just hit her out of the blue, and she found herself lashing out for reasons, looking to see why he may have wandered. And within this whirlwind of abandonment, she, consciously or not, placed a lot of the blame on me. Like I say, there was nothing physical happening, but she very quickly treated me with contempt. It felt as if she wanted me to be an adult from age five. I was scared to even be ill, as she would tell me I was acting weak and exaggerating. Back then, I recall even trying to silently vomit out of my bedroom window, 
in fear that if she heard me using the toilet, I would be accused of faking an illness. This all fed into my confidence at school, and I was bullied mercilessly on a daily basis. Now this was physical, and it was mental. But I had to hide the bruises from my mother, as I was very conscious not to add to the idea that I was nothing but a weak burden to her. Ironically, in later life, she would attempt to rewrite my history, painting herself as some doting supportive mother, or even more ironically, implying that any neglectful treatment was for my own good to toughen me up, so to speak. Well, thanks, Mum. Both me and my therapist agree that that worked a charm. Hopefully the sarcasm comes across in my writing. My point in this whole backstory is to explain why, up until my mid-thirties, I'd never had a successful relationship. I would start a new relationship and spend my time second-guessing their opinion of me, and would then act differently to try and rectify what I believed was their opinion. My therapist says this is a defence mechanism that I believed I had to develop as a child, just to survive. This meant I would often overcompensate. Some relationships I was too anxious, others I was too serious, and some I wasn't serious enough. And then there was the intimacy, or should I say, the lack of. Given my trust issues, I'd always self-sabotaged a relationship long before intimacy was on the table. And in later relationships, I'd gotten into my own head and told myself that sex would be the biggest failure of all. With my zero experience, I would make an example of myself. And even better, I'd be doing that fully nude, fully exposed for the ultimate humiliation. No. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. No one had instilled the amount of trust that that would require. And then, the day after my 34th birthday, I met Roger. Roger was the kindest, most sincere man I'd ever known. He would say the one thing he had to do each and every day was to make me laugh. And he did. More than once a day. He was patient understanding, and when I explained to him my concerns about us being intimate, he empathetically told me that he understood how hard that must be, and then hugged me, and I bawled like a newborn baby. If there was anyone that was going to help me exercise the demons of my past, it was Roger. And then, that winter, he died. His station wagon hit a patch of black ice and ended up on the opposite side of the road and in the path of an oncoming 18-wheeler. My world literally fell apart. Even writing this, I feel like I'm hyperventilating, just even partially reliving it. It felt like I was right back at square one, with the added weight of having lost the most amazing person that I'd ever met. I decided I would leave. I gave my notice to my landlord, packed up what little I had, and headed up to Seattle. 
No particular reason why other than I'm Gen X. And the bands that helped me get through my teens were all Seattle-based bands. And at that point, well, it seemed as good a place as any to try and start again. On the drive, I wore one of Roger's scarves. I only had two items of his. One hoodie, one scarf. But I loved wearing the scarf as, at that point, it still had a faint scent of him. He would smoke one cigar every night, wearing this scarf. And the scarf was a mix of tobacco and cologne. Every so many miles, I would lift it to my nose and take a deep inhale, spending the next few miles in a warm daze. I met the realtor at my new second-floor apartment in the east of the city. It was so much more spacious than my last place. The dollar seemingly stretches further here. And, of course, it was furnished. A must given my life fitted into two bags at the time. I dumped those two bags in the living room and walked over to the bay window. A coffee shop jumped out at me. It looked cool and laid back. Looking further down, there was a second-hand bookstore. And further down some more, a building with a calligraphy sign that I couldn't quite. Just a minute, I shouted as I stepped over the bags and headed down the hall to the front door. I'm sorry, I... There was no one there. I stepped out into the hallway and looked around. I listened out to see if I could hear some footsteps. Behind me, the door down the hall which led to my bedroom slammed shut. I jumped at the noise, but in no way did I put it down to anything paranormal. Surely it was just a through draft. Surely. I took a stroll down my new area, stopping for a coffee at the trendy store, popping into the second-hand bookstore, which again was laid back and cool. I couldn't be happier with my decision to move, this place seemed perfect for me. I strolled further, to the building with the calligraphy sign. And this close, I could finally make it out. Spiritualist Church. A small flyer in the door window informed me that there would be a meeting that very evening at 8.30. I stared at the flyer, mulling over whether I should go. You see, Roger and I were both quite open to the paranormal and had often joked that if one of us should die before the other, and the afterlife exists, we would find a way to come through, and give the other person a sign. Well, I didn't have much else to do, I guess. So, that evening, I went along to the meeting. I strangely instantly fell at home here. The small hall started to fill up with, at first sight, what seemed to be my type of people all dressed in a similar way, a similar age. The odd 90s band t-shirt on show too. Back home, I kind of stood out as an alternative person amongst the normal folk. Here, alternative was normal. Everyone said hello to each other and small groups chatted in hushed tones. Before the lights dimmed slightly everywhere, except for the slightly raised stage, a woman, maybe in her late 50s, early 60s, came out from behind a curtain, and if the alternative flock in front of her had a leader, she would be it. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Stepping onto the stage, she exuded confidence, art, the avant-garde. Her 60s schoolmistress spectacles looped on a chain around her neck. Her long shawl with little pearls sewn on swooshed as she walked to the podium and removed the microphone from its holder. Okay, guys, I recognize most of you. Do we have any new people in? A few hands went up. I sheepishly raised my hand, just enough to not be seen. Well, hi, she said, giving a wave. Now don't freak out when we raise the devil. Everyone laughed. This lot are used to it by now, she nodded at the front rows. She then went on to introduce herself as Marie St. Clair and explained that she was going to give a demonstration of clairaudience. That's medium speak for pointing to a general area and asking if there's a J name or similar, or if anyone knows anyone who fell out of a tree. I've never found clairaudience to be that convincing. If you get a large enough group of people together, someone knows a Jay who's passed on, who likely fell out of a tree. Or they will answer, well, well, we had a tree in the back garden. And the medium will reply, yes, that's it. And we all move on, thinking the medium was bang accurate, when in reality, they were just pointing out things applicable to 99% of us. Not Marie St. Clair. Okay, so... She put her head down and closed her eyes. Andrew, this area. Looking for a female? Jenny, Jamie, Juliet? Julie, it's Julie. Who's got the Alsatian with the bad paw? A woman stood up. Are you Julie? The woman nodded. And Andrew? He's my partner. He died last year. And how's the dog? He got an insect bite on his paw last week so it's swollen up at the minute. The audience gave a mixture of laughter and gasps of disbelief. Marie continued, Well, Andrew's just letting you know he's fine. Better than fine. You need to stop worrying about him, for God's sake. Enjoy your life whilst you're here. You'll see him when you're ready. Julie nodded, but she was in bits. Marie turned back to face us. You see... People always say, Oh Marie, why do you just say things like, Who's got a dog? Why don't you tell us where the gold is buried? Well, the truth is, People who pass on are generally boring. The audience all laughed. Seriously, she continued. They come to me with things that only you will know. Only so you know they're okay. That's it. There's no treasure map. They're not waiting to give you some untold secret. They just want to put your mind at ease. As she ended her sentence, she looked over at me. And she stared. She stared so long the place started to turn to see what she was looking at. I felt myself going red, giving an embarrassed forced smile. 
There's some sort of distressed energy around you, honey. I don't know if it's you yourself or someone trying to come through. Are you Catholic? I nodded my head. Thought so. Maybe give a little prayer to Mary for peace for a few nights. I nodded again, eager for her to move on. Eventually she did, but I couldn't tell you what she'd done for the remainder of that evening, because I just kept replaying what she told me over and over again. I panicked. Was this Roger? Was he somehow trapped or something and was trying to come through to tell me? The next day, I scoured the internet for help on what to do to help spirits move on. The idea that my Roger, the sweetest, most caring man I'd ever known, was now suffering in the afterlife upset me beyond words. Following one piece of advice online, I stood in the centre of the living room and, through tears, said out loud, Roger, don't worry, I'm going to help you move on, okay? A small draught passed my face, and within it was a faint smell of cigars. I took this as a positive and returned to the couch and the laptop. A screen popped up. I didn't consciously press anything. I mean, I may have accidentally, as I picked up the laptop to place it back on my knee, but for all intents and purposes, this screen opened of its own accord. It was a small ritual to apparently open a doorway to the other side. Now this seemed far too coincidental. Is this the one I should do? I said aloud. And I swear, once again, there was a faint smell of cigar smoke. I scribbled down the ingredients needed for that ritual and headed out to the city. That evening... I'm stood in the living room of the apartment with a black candle lit in each corner. I'd already been around the apartment with burnt sage as required, and now stood in a small circle of salt that I'd poured onto the carpet, holding the scrawled-down incantation that I'd taken from the internet. I began speaking in rhythm, somehow believing that by... What in the living hell was that? It sounded like something thrown against the wall with force... I racked my brain to think if it was anything that could have fallen over in one of the rooms, but for the life of me, I couldn't place any object that... Knockings came from all around me. The front door, the window, the walls. The candlelight behind me to the left suddenly extinguished. I spun around to see what had... The candle to the right done the same thing. I was now almost incomplete. Now three candles were blown out. In the glow of the one candle, I'm sure I saw a shadow run towards its solitary flame. I panicked and jumped out of the salt circle and ran to the living room light. Of course, there was no one here. I walked over and blew out the final candle. At this point, I started to realise that Roger wouldn't scare me like this. Roger would want me to feel the living room light burnt out. I was now in complete and utter darkness. I screamed and ran through the front door and out into the hallway of the building. I was terrified. But maybe, maybe I was freaking out because it worked. Maybe that was Roger 
trying to speak to me, and I've stupidly ran out in panic. I mean, perhaps... The phone back in the living room started ringing. I took a deep breath and headed in, ensuring the light from the hallway was on and that the front door was wedged open just in case I needed a quick escape. I picked up the phone. Hello? The line was filled with static, but it sounded as if something was there. And then I heard it. Thank you, Mary. My eyes welled up. I was sure it was Roger's voice, and then the line went dead. Wow, I felt such a relief go through my body, such a powerful emotion. I'd finally managed to help the man who helped me so much whilst he was alive. I'd managed to repay. I was barged to the floor, like a quarterback had charged into me from behind, sending me flying to the hallway floor. A laughter seemed to come from different directions of the living room. I slowly got my bearings and ran outside. I had nowhere to go, so I spent that night in my car. The following morning, after the worst night's sleep of my life, the sun was shining and the birds were singing, and I opened the front door of the apartment and precariously stepped inside. There was nothing, no feeling of anything that had transpired the previous night, the only clues being the burnt-out candles and the slightly disturbed circle of salt on the floor. I quickly cleaned up all of the paraphernalia, showered and headed out for the day. That early evening, I sat in the coffee shop staring up at the apartment and then I realised it was Monday. The spiritualist church would be meeting that evening. Maybe I should go. Maybe I should try and get some alone time with Marie and ask her for some help. So that's what I did. That evening, the place was more crowded than the first time, the nice weather clearly bringing people out in their droves. Marie came out looking as mystical and witchy as ever, and once again gave her usual engaging introduction, before zeroing in on a couple on the right-hand side of the front row. An auntie had come through and was asking about her nieces and nephews. Apparently, one was having a tough time in school, and the auntie wanted the couple to know that she was keeping an eye on them. Again, the specifics Marie hit made everyone either laugh with disbelief or gasp in shock. I'd kind of forgotten why I was there, getting carried away with the show. And then it happened. Marie's smile dropped. She lowered her head and closed her eyes. Then she snapped her gaze up to mine. Can you wait until the end, please? It's very important that you do, she said, pointing. The entire place turned round this time, with lots of whispering due to the seriousness that Marie's demeanour had taken. I quickly nodded, again with the embarrassed smile. For the remaining time of the meeting, Marie continued to give readings. However, either during or in between each one, she would look over to make sure I was still there. Believe me, time doesn't move any slower than when you're waiting for someone to give you information in a situation like this. 
the next hours seemed to drag like I'd never experienced. But, finally, the meeting came to a close. Marie looked over. Can you stay there? Just give me one minute, she said and quickly disappeared behind the curtain. People started filing out, the odd person nudging their friend and nodding over to me. It felt like I was in school all over again, and I debated just getting up and going. I stood and picked up my coat. Sit down, came a voice from ahead. It was Marie walking over to me, clearly sensing my need to leave. I reluctantly sat down. The reason why I asked you to stay is whatever energy I saw over you last time. Well, she leant back in her chair and made a large circle with her hands. It's like 50 times the size right now. And darling, I don't think it's anything good. I broke down. I couldn't help it. I told her all about Roger and how I assumed it was him who she sensed last time. Marie interrupted. No, no, darling, if it was a man, I would have said. That's why I said energy. So what did you do? I looked up at Marie. What do you mean? Darling, you've done something, because this... Again, she gestured with her hands. This doesn't just happen. Not to this size. Shit, the ritual. I instantly felt like an idiot. Well, well, I found this thing online, I began. Marie's face dropped. It said you could help people who were stuck by... I went on to explain the specific steps of the ritual. Marie raised her hand to her face and sat back in her chair as if in thought. I quickly filled the silence by explaining about the cigar smell, the phone call, and how it was Roger's voice. Marie didn't move. Her hand stayed just over her mouth and her gaze was just off over my right shoulder. Finally, she tapped at her lip and said, Okay, we'll need to go over to your house, but I need some things and you shouldn't sleep there alone tonight. You can sleep on my couch tonight and we'll both go over in the morning. Well, I didn't know what to say and as much as I appreciated the offer of help, An explanation would be really good right now also. And I stutteringly explained as much to Marie. Marie leaned in close and took my hand. Because, my love, my sweet, sweet girl, you've been fooled. They've got you to open a portal. I pulled away slightly. Well, what about Roger? Why would he... She interrupted me with a wave. Darling... Roger was never there. Roger's at peace. None of this is him. I was hit with a strange mix of relief and sadness. Relief because this meant my Roger was safe and not in any torment. And sad because part of me wanted it to be him. Just so I knew I was communicating with him again. I wanted that cigar smell to have been him, staying close to me. I guess I just missed him so much, I would have done anything to be near him again. The next morning, I woke to Marie making breakfast. I'd somehow slept through to 10am on the couch, and in that time Marie had been out, 
gotten bacon and eggs and was whistling along to the radio. Morning, she shouted over, placing a plate down on her kitchen table. Get this down you and then we can head over to your apartment. I'm such a sucker for doing whatever a strong-minded person says that I instantly felt myself regress into a childlike state, which I recognised and inwardly kicked myself for. Marie sat down too, and we silently ate and listened to the radio, before Marie picked up a large black leather bag from the hallway and we headed off to my apartment. You have a role to play here too, said Marie as we stood in my doorway. You need to make sure every door and window remains open. I'm going to chase this energy out, but we need to give it somewhere to go, or this will take forever. She said, rolling her eyes, as if this was just an annoyance and not something mind-blowingly paranormal. She went into her bag and pulled out a small piece of wood. Lighting the end and then blowing it out, She walked around the living room shouting in a language I didn't understand and couldn't pinpoint, and she jabbed the smoking stick into each top corner of the room, and I mean jabbed, as if trying to forcefully stab something that lingered there. After she attacked the fourth corner, the most bizarre thing happened. A knocking from within the wall seemed to run along the wall and out of the living room towards the bedroom. She followed into the bedroom, and the bedroom door slammed shut behind her. I ran over and tried the handle, but it was stuck fast. It's okay, May, shouted Marie. It's just panicking now. I was almost hyperventilating. I just... I walked over and slowly picked up the phone. Again, it was a static sound, and through the static came a voice. This voice in no way sounded like Roger. I dropped the handset just as the bedroom door opened. Marie walked out half smiling. Was that them on the phone? I nodded quickly. I thought so, she smiled back. Nearly done, darling. How the hell was she so calm? I felt like I was losing my mind as she headed into the bathroom and continued her stick jabbing and shouting. May, she shouted from the bathroom. Bring me my bag, please. I hurried through with Marie's bag, and she knelt down, opening it up and pulling out a large bunch of what looked like black straw. Okay, now I'm going to go and light this and go from room to room. As I leave each room, you make sure to shut the window and the door of that room, okay? Again, I nodded eagerly. Good, let's go, she said, flicking the straw into flame with her lighter before blowing it out. Clouds of white smoke billowed into the room. I followed her from room to room, ensuring every window and door was firmly shut behind us. Marie walked straight down the hallway and out of the front door, and I followed closely behind, closing the front door behind me. There, said Marie. That should do you nicely. She smiled, placing the burnt-out straw on the floor and wiping her hands on her coat. She could see that I was clearly struggling with everything that had just taken place and reached out, rubbing my cheek with her hand. Don't worry, darling. It's all done now. You'll be fine. She then looked over my head slightly, smiled and said, 
Oh, and Roger said you really need to wash that scarf of his. I cried and laughed, but mainly laughed, because I now knew Roger was fine. This is exactly what he would have said, given how long I'd worn that scarf for. This whole scenario is honestly the craziest few weeks of my life. And, looking back, I think it was largely brought about by despair, and by me wanting to reach out and grab onto something, anything, that felt even remotely safe. It turns out, though, it's when you're at your most vulnerable that you must shine like a beacon to those things that wait in the darkness. Wow, what a truly terrifying and deeply interesting tale there from May. Like any predator in life, we should all be aware that when we're at our most vulnerable will be when a predator chooses to attack, and the paranormal world is no different. Fortunately for May, she found someone in Marie who could help her with her situation. But not everyone who encounters something so terrifyingly paranormal is that lucky. As we will learn in our final two episodes of Season 8. I'd like to thank you all for choosing to spend your time with me here on The Dark Paranormal. Please stay around at the end of this episode because we will have our teaser for our Halloween special. However, right now, for our Patreons, I will speak to you on Sunday for another episode of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll see you here next week for our penultimate episode of Season 8. But right now, let's have a sneak peek at what will be our most terrifying experience to date. Coming up this Halloween. A rational sceptic is only a rational sceptic until something happens to them. Well, up until that point in my life, I thought I'd known what fear was. But that night, I wholly understood what it meant to be frozen in fear. And of all the professions, there is perhaps no one more rational or methodical than a police officer. The thing uh, crouched down at the side of my bed. I I took this to mean I can get you wherever you are. A diary was kept, along with a series of documented photographs. Well, this part's hard to say, but a young woman sidled through the throng of people and jumped out into the front of an oncoming train. Over the two nights of Saturday the 29th and Sunday the 30th of October, the dark paranormal will take you on a journey through one of the most terrifying, malevolent, true paranormal experiences it's ever covered. It wasn't a case of fearing for your life. It was the knowledge that it wanted you dead. The dark paranormal the darkest chapter coming over Halloween weekend the 29th and the 30th of October you won't want to miss it
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.